This is Taekwon Lewis. You're listening to Dash to the Draft on Sports Crunch. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And today, with the 2018 NFL Draft officially four weeks away, we continue with our seventh installment of Dash to the Draft. It's a pleasure to welcome our good friend Cole Thompson of DraftWire.com back to the program to help break down this deep offensive line class, which could see as many as eight to ten members selected in round one. How are you, Cole? Hey, guys. Doing pretty well. You know, just getting ready to go to the library, do some more film work, and get ready for the draft. You know what? I think that may be eight to ten is a little too high, but I will say that this offensive class, while at the top, well, overall is pretty much average as we see in the past, the top is very special and multiple different positions and I think that especially at the offensive guard position we're going to see some major careers be made in this year's draft 100% how are you Dave? I'm very good thanks Cole and I completely agree we will get to that special interior offensive line class in just a moment but let's start with this tackle class and while right tackle is arguably equally as important a position as left tackle these days teams still tend to put a slightly higher premium on blindside protectors and the belief is that Connor Williams and Mike McGlinchey, who are arguably the top two tackles of this class, they project better to the right side, according to many, if not most, in the league. And due to the lack of quality left tackle prospects in this class, many will get drafted a lot higher than they should. And one name getting a lot of first-round buzz as of late is UCLA's Colton Miller, despite the belief that he is a proverbial athletic project, so to speak. What are your thoughts on Colton Miller's tape, and where is the highest you would personally draft him? Personally, I wouldn't take him until about round three, maybe the start of round four. This kid's a prospect more so than anything else. He's a project. Everything that you see is very fluid in motion, but it's all raw. That's the biggest thing you have to take away this. He's too raw in his pass protection. In his run blocking, he overextends his body. He doesn't have the best footwork. He has to learn how to keep his body in motion under control with his hips. That is a major thing that teams look at, you know, trying to draft a left tackle. Look at Eric Flowers. Big body, big frame massive size, huge hands, put him on the field, has no footwork, has terrible hips, has consistently beat off the edge. Having a left tackle is your most important position because you're protecting the guy who's probably going to get paid the big bucks and take you to a Super Bowl in a quarterback. I like Colton Miller as a projected guy. I think that he could be eventually a solid starter in the NFL. Probably, you know, no more than a top 15 left tackle in the league. But you're going to tell me that you're going to roll him out year one and expect him to be anything. That is a joke. A team like the New York Giants taking a risk on him in round three makes a ton of sense because they just signed Nate Soldier to a long-term deal who is expected to probably finish out his career in New York. So getting a guy like that to sit behind a guy like Soldier and learn some things could be a good learning advantage for him. If you to start on day one, you're out of your mind. Yes, and do you expect somebody to bite the bullet on Colt Miller in as early as the later part of round one? Not later part of round one, but early day two makes a ton of sense. You look at the left tackle class, and in my opinion, I still have Connor Williams projected as a left tackle. Outside of that, who are you really going to go with? I think Orlando Brown had his moments, but then, of course, that 5-8-5-40 time at the combine, and then a 5-6-8-40 time at his pro day really doesn't scream left tackle what you want in the NFL, where Colt Miller's times were a lot better, and he looked a lot more fluid and fast coming off the ball. So I definitely think he's a top 50 pick in this year's draft class, but that doesn't mean he's a top 50 talent. That's a lot of things that people don't understand. When we do our draft grades, a lot of guys are overdrafted because of positional needs rather than actual grading level. Colton Miller probably sits at the end or near the end of my top 100 just because of how raw potential he has. 
not a potential there, but there's nothing there yet that screams starter day one, like you can with Connor Williams or Mike McGinkley on the right side. Miller is a guy who's going to be drafted for the future for a team, but I do expect him to be off the board as early as probably pick number 34. I mean, pick number 33 when the New York Giants are on the clock. Yes, and a similar left tackle prospect to keep an eye on is Brian O'Neill of Pittsburgh, who you and I saw down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. O'Neill has ridiculous athleticism. He ran a 4.8240 at the combine and also tuned in a 7.14 second three cone time, but his tape and senior bowl performance were rather underwhelming, and that's putting it kindly. However, Eric Galco said on an episode of his podcast back in February that he believes O'Neill has a decent chance at going in the first round. Would you be surprised if he ends up going off the board at the tail end of round one, if not the first half of round two? Not the first half of round two, but you know what? I'm, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Galco, but I don't know what he's talking about. Because of everything that I saw is what you saw down in Mobile. And that is a sign when you have a guy who is a senior, his best potential. He's closer to hitting his peak than a guy who's in his 20s or 19, like a guy like Tremaine Edmonds. O'Neal is a good tackle. You look at everything that you want, and he fits pretty much every bill. 6'7", 305. Uh, he has good arm length, 34 inches. You know, And he's a very athletic guy. But outside of that, is there anything that really screams starting left tackle year one? Feet are a little sluggish. He, his footwork is sloppy at best. And he was consistently beat by average, if not below average, pass edge rushers down in Mobile. I like O'Neal as the same kind of thing. A project guy. You let him learn the system, kind of put him in the NFL as a guy as maybe a sweet tackle year one see where he fits and then year two give him a shot a guy like julian davenport out of the houston texans is a kind of similar role you see what side he fits on and then in year two give him a shot if you don't have him then you know what cut your losses within two years and move on and try and get a guy early on i'm not saying o'neill is not going to be a day two pickup because if i think that with this left tackle class what it is he probably will be but i'm not going to sit here and say end of round one potential for a guy like o'neill colton miller has a better chance because of his age difference to be the guy at the end of round one before O'Neill is. Yes, said continuing on with Mike McGlinchey, uh, he got a lot of negative buzz for his performances against North Carolina State and Georgia this year. However, according to some great minds on draft Twitter, he actually looked pretty good in those games outside of a few plays. Do you share that view? Absolutely. Mike McGinkley, if he was, if we, I mean, if we're being completely honest, for a day one starter, that is my OT number one. I have no problem playing McGinkley in an NFL offense week one of the regular season. You plug and play him, and he's going to be great. When you look at him in run blocking, he's the best run blocking tackle in this class far and away. Good arm length, decent footwork, uh, overall great size. But here's the thing. He is a right tackle, and that is what people have to realize. When you watch Mike McGinkley, think Jack Conklin. What Jack Conklin did, being the eighth overall pick for Tennessee, was a great pick for Tennessee. They were able to go get two bookends to protect Marcus Mariota for long-term systems. But he is a right tackle, and there's nothing wrong with being a right tackle in the NFL like people think there is. Being a right tackle just means that you are able to be better at run blocking than usual pass protection. And that is what I think is what Mike McGinkley's strengths are. I actually think the pro prop for him is Conklin. I think he could be a similar effective role for a team on the back end of round one, such as the Minnesota Vikings, who are in dire need of getting a right tackle to pair up with Riley Reef on the other side, with Kirk Cousins being the future guy. If the Minnesota Vikings were able to get Mike McGinkley at pick number 30, kind of put the 
them as the favorite to go to the Super Bowl because of they have a complete offense to match up with their defense. I like McGinkley, but he's a right tackle. That is the thing that people have to realize. And when they do realize that, he's going to have a great career in the NFL as a right tackle. I totally agree. And as I said at the beginning of the broadcast, uh, the right tackle position has become almost equally as important as the left tackle position because the teams often put their best pass rushers on the right tackle. And a guy like McGlinchey coming out of Notre Dame where he learned under one of the great offensive line minds, uh, period, and Harry Heastan, he is as technically sound as it comes, and he's exactly what you want in a right tackle. And it wouldn't surprise me if he went even higher than the late end of the uh, first round, like to a team like Seattle, which needs some tackle help right now. But uh, moving along to another tackle whose value is in flux at the moment, to put it kindly, and that is Orlando Brown. He might have had arguably the worst performance in combine history with that 5.8640, with those 14 reps on the bench press, and by getting yelled at at coaches during drills for loafing. And uh, his pro day wasn't that much better. Do you get the impression that he will slide all the way to day three? No, nah, he's not sliding day three. You got a guy who's six eight and has great overall potential. You know, coming from a football family, his father was a famous tackle in the NFL for years, nicknamed Zeus at the Sooners. And you also got to look at the stats. And guess what? Production doesn't lie all the time. While you want these measurements to be better, look at what he did for Oklahoma, giving up one sack to Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield in two seasons as a starting left tackle. There's a lot really to build off of when you look at his strengths. You know, he does have that massive frame. Look at his arm length for more so than anything else, 35 inches. Massive arms that's going to be able to keep edge blockers coming off and being able to sideswipe him to come inside or go over the top outside to work upfield to get in the backfield to sack the quarterback or even stop the run. You also got to look at what he's able to do pass the line. He's able to use double blockage to be able to hit defenders full on. The biggest issue with him is the aggressiveness. He's got to come off the line faster. He's got to move his hips faster. He's got to get his hand work better. And if he's able to do that, he's going to slip no matter what, but he will be a decent left tackle in the NFL. If not, move him inside a guard and see what happens. You aren't going to pass on a 6'8 guy who gave up one sack in two years, even though his measurements were terrible. Yeah, he's not going round one. I will guarantee that. Is he going to go top 50? Perhaps, but I wouldn't be certain. But a team like the Houston Texans is in major need of addressing that left tackle position long term. And if he's sitting there round three, that could be the Texans' first pick. And it could be a franchise pick because they already know he already knows how to block for a mobile quarterback. And guess what the Houston Texans have? Deshaun Watson. If he returns healthy, one of the top mobile quarterback and pot and running passing quarterbacks in the league coming into 2018. Yes, the Houston Texans would definitely make sense for Orlando Brown in as early as round three. I completely agree with that take. And before we move on to this uh, interior offensive line crop, uh, let's talk about Connor Williams, who you still see as a left tackle. Uh, his arm length measured at about 33 inches and was at the combine, and was that higher than you expected personally? Um, You know what? I'm not really sure. It's not saying that it's higher. It's just it's not what I thought it really was going to be. But, you know, when you look at the rest of his measurements, he measured out exactly what I thought. Thought it was going to be 6'5". I think he rated coming in, what was it, 318, 319, something like that. Uh, and, but then you got to look at his production that he had at Texas. He was viewed as possibly the next Joe Thomas, which unfortunately puts a lot of pressure on a kid. But when you look at his tape, he's one of those guys who, when it comes back to, you have to look at multiple years of tape. And this is why you trust people who watch multiple years of tape. Because if his 2016 tape makes him look like he is going to be the first overall pick taken in this year's draft class, he was so safe being able to protect 
uh, Shane Buchel out uh, in Texas last year. Then you look at him, and he's a leader in the locker room. Coach Strong and Tom Herman both have praised this kid for being one of the top guys both on and off the field. So you know he's not going to be a liability in the locker room. He's not going to bring any drama, and he's going to take it and hold his head out high. He's a, he's a monster when you look at his size. He carries his weight great. Before the injury, he was moving quick off the snap and was able to make decent plays. I mean, everyone saw the play, his game against West Virginia, which might be one of the best games of 2016 for an offensive tackle. You know, he was consistently blocking edge rushers. And then you look at his overall footwork. It matches with his body language. And that is what I really look at when looking at left tackles. How is the footwork? And I do think Williams' footwork does merit him at least a chance at left tackle. Doesn't work out at left tackle? Try him at right tackle. He's not a bad you know, run blocker, but he's excellent in pass protection. So you're going to have a guy now blocking on the right side who probably can just do what the guy's doing on the left side. So now there you go. You have two bookends. And if it doesn't work out, move him inside a guard and you got a guy who has the size to play guard and is a little bit bigger in height than most guards really are. So problem solved. Williams is a guy that I have sitting on my board to pick at the number 19 overall draft prospect in this class, in my personal opinion. I like this kid. I like a lot about him. And I think that he is a day one player. I think even though he's coming off of that injury and you didn't see a lot of him in 2017, the 2016 tape doesn't lie. When healthy, Williams is the best offensive tackle prospect in this class hands down. And I would indeed expect Connor Williams to be the first offensive tackle taken off the board to as early as pick 15 to the Arizona Cardinals, if not earlier. I mocked him to the Cardinals in my last mock, by the way, and I remember you mentioning the Cardinals as a solid fit for him, Cole. And uh, now let's go on to this amazing crop of guards and centers, which is the highlight of this offensive line class. I spoke to an AFC scout down at the Senior Bowl, as I, uh, I've told this story before on the show, and I asked the scout if he thought guards and centers were starting to be become equally as valuable as tackles given the presence of guys like Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox plus the freakish uh, defensive tackle talent uh, slated hit the NFL in 2019 like Dexter Lawrence and Ed Oliver and Rashawn Gary. And he told me he thinks that is already the case, that uh, guards and setters are equally as important as tackles. Do you share that view? I think that they're starting to become more important, but I think it's more so because of when you look at these guys, it's more so for pass protection. Run, you know, running lanes, that's fine. It's all really based off the scheme of offense. You run your zone guy, you're going to probably hit the outside. You're a power guy, you're going to hit the inside. So running is more so not really the biggest issue, but with these major guys coming in and being as massive as they are and Aaron Donald now playing in a 3-4 as a, as a 5 technique that's scary enough to think of and Seven playing on the interior so yeah when you are looking at guys who are two pretty much two gap players you got to build up on the offensive line especially on the interior line don't want your quarterback to take a massive hit the A gap. Indeed and another thing that Daniel Jeremiah told me at the Senior Bowl in our brief conversation the reason why he thinks that guards and setters are becoming almost as important as tackles is because of like the quick strike passing game, especially if you want to play the screed game or the short dump-off game, you need athletic guys who are guards and setters that could get out to the second level and hit somebody so the, the ball carrier can go all the way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, definitely you want to get guys who are fast enough to meet, meet the second and third level of defenses to be able to block those guys downfield. But that's also a major thing that you have to look at at wide receivers too, especially when you have guys who are playing in a three and when you're lining up in trips for an animation and the guy in the middle is getting the ball, you want your interior guy to be able to block that safety or nickel corner coming down. You want your, you want your middle guy to be able to have the ability 
ability to either cut inside or work his way outside. You need your outside guy to sell Faye deep downfield to where he's able to get the outside cornerback guessing on moving forward. So I think it's a it's a tag team issue, but especially if you're going to cut inside, you're going to want a guy, especially at the guard position, who's going to be able to pick up the weak side linebacker and make sure that there's a nice running lane for the receiver to cut. Indeed, and I personally see four to five interior offensive linemen worthy of first round selections, and they are obviously Quentin Nelson, who might be the best prospect in this class, regardless of position, period. Will Hernandez, Isaiah Wynn, James Daniels, and Billy Price. Would you be surprised if all of them go on day one? Absolutely, I would. And the main one is, unfortunately, Billy Price. Yes, I do think Billy Price would have married a round one grade for me. But, you know, he did have that torn pectoral injury during during the NFL Combine and was not able to perform at the Ohio State's Pro Day that's coming up. So with that in mind, you also have to remember that he is battling an injury. Yes, everyone's saying he's going to be back in time for, for, you know, training camp and all that. But let's take a look at a guy by the name of Cedric Abwehi, who was the 21st pick overall for the Tex- uh, out of Texas A&M for the Cincinnati Bengals. How's his career looking after he was picked up after coming off a torn ACL injury? Just saying, you don't take guys who have previous injuries, no matter the situation, way he just kind of merited that thought and that just kind of sticks with me moving forward i'm not taking billy price round one but i would definitely move up if i was a team looking to upgrade my interior offensive line because he is such a high iq football guy and can play multiple positions at the interior both at both guards and center how far do you anticipate billy price dropping due to that injury I mean, he still will probably be a top 50 player. I think a team uh, such as possibly Los Angeles could use him. You know, they do have Dan Feeney and they also have um, Forrest Lamp. But even with the Mike Pouncey signing him, and that could be really short term, knowing uh, Pouncey's injury list, a, a massive injury list. He could be a perfect center there. I definitely think that a team like even possibly uh, Cleveland could probably take him with one of their two picks in the in the second round. I think that makes a lot of sense with J.C. Trester having kind of an off year last year. And then a team like Seattle maybe wants to do it, even though Max Unger still has a couple more years, but they need help at guard position. Billy Bryce can play guard. But then I think that it, his, his floor, in my opinion, is Minnesota in the second round. Minnesota, I think, would have been a perfect fit for him at the end of round one. Continues to fall. You pair him up with the rest of that Minnesota line. Uh, you can play guard you already have Pat Elfline playing your center position who did a phenomenal job last year but I would say Minnesota or even the Chicago Bears if they do decide to go linebacker or cornerback round one would be excellent fits for him to play that right guard position at either team those are all good fits indeed and Minnesota is the team I hear leaked mostly to probably because uh, Rick Spielman loves Ohio State offensive linemen and the fact that he's good friends with current Viking center Pat Elfline but uh, continuing with uh, this uh interior offensive line crop for a moment. Quentin Nelson, like I said, he might be the best prospect regardless of position in this draft class. What makes him so special and why should he go number two overall should the Giants not move down? Well, plain and simple, he's the number one player on my draft board. He's the number one player on most draft boards that I trust. And the biggest reason is I think he should go number one overall if he was in need for Cleveland. But Cleveland, the only probably two good positions they have right now is Kevin Zeitler and Joe Batonio on the offensive guard. If they did not have both those players, I would firmly ask Cleveland to take a guy like him to be the replacement for that offensive line just as an anchor, no matter what position he played since they lost Joe Thomas. But you look at this guy. Yeah, you know what? He has a tendency to probably drop in contact. He probably will take more blows instead of extending his arms and rather catch the pressure than extend it out. But look at the size of this kid, 6'5", 329 pounds. He has the build of what Larry Allen was back in the day. You know, you also got to look at what he has with his hits and how fast he moves. I think he ran up, if I'm not mistaken, 
Uh, I don't think he ran at the uh, at the actual combine, but I think his. But I think when you look at the rest of his numbers, I'm looking it up right now. Four six two uh, at the at the twenty yard shuttle drill, a seven six five in the three cone shuttle drill, uh, and he's and he's durable. That's the biggest thing. You look at his you look at his numbers. He's one of the most guys who sustained a lot of injuries during his time in our game and still played through them. Metal toughness is one of the bigger things that you have to have. And then uh, of course you look at the size that he brings with his punches. And what he did in the LSU game this past year where he shucked one of the defensive players and body slammed him into the ground like a WWE wrestling move that we saw from The Rock back in the 1990s. That's what we're getting out of Quentin Nelson. This is a guy who, at his floor, in my opinion, is a solid NFL starter with his ceiling being one of the best offensive guards of all time. You don't say that about most players. And while Saquon Barkley is a special generational running back who also has great off-the-field stats well that makes him a safe prospect, Nelson is probably a safer one because of what you're seeing from him and what he's able to do with his multiple positions and high IQ. Running backs are now a dime a dozen in the league if you're not the top guy. Guards aren't. Guards are special. And a guard like Quentin Nelson is special. If the Giants are in a rebuild, mode and they're going to trade Odell Beckham Jr. and move on and start thinking about the long-term future, Nelson should be the pick because that is a guy who's going to be on your team 10, 12, 14 years from now still being as productive as he was as a 22-year-old rookie. And as Dave Gettleman says, I love my hag, Mally, so that that would definitely make a lot of sense if the Giants decide not to take a quarterback at two. One other team, I believe it was the Bengals, believed that Nelson would be as great of a right tackle as he is a left guard. Do you share that view? No, but the biggest thing is that I do think that he is a guy who can play a right tackle position in, in certain events. But in my opinion, if you're looking for a guy who can be a kind of swing guy, it's Braden Smith out of Auburn. He has experience at right tackle, where Quentin Nelson has very little experience there, but he was able to play just a little bit. You know, he mainly played left guard and right guard in college, lining up next to Ronnie Stanley as well as Mike McGinkley. But the biggest thing with him is that that massive frame at 6'5 does marry at least maybe a chance you have to come in a situation much like a Lyle Collins did last year with Dallas but now many people are saying that Collins will remain at right tackle you know they did just sign Cameron Fleming from the New England Patriots the biggest thing for me is why break something that isn't broke and Quentin Nelson at guard isn't broke why get why move off he's not a need I'm sorry it, it stinks but maybe you gotta trade some players to make him that's what that's my analogy in this situation you don't move a guy if he doesn't have that experience and if the guy is great at what he is why ask him to- that definitely makes the most sense and everybody loves Quentin Nelson and for good reason but Will Hernandez as you and I talked about at the senior bowl after seeing him play he's not a guy to sleep on either and a good friend of the show Eric Trickle uh, he believes that the gap between Quentin Nelson and Will Hernandez isn't as big as some think do you agree no it's big it's pretty big but I will say that if you're gonna argue with who's the next best guy I would bet my money on Will Hernandez I've been hiring this guy since seeing him uh, right at the start of the season and what he did for UTEP you know the biggest thing for him is he started all 37 games that he was at UTEP. He's played multiple positions anywhere from left guard, right guard, center. I believe he even lined up at times at right tackle in a few games for certain pinches. But you, you all look at him. He is a 1980s Dallas Cowboys, Chicago Bear offensive lineman in the body of a, tw- of a 2018 prospect. That's the best way I can put it. Everything about him screams first round talent with production and what he was able to do. You look at him at the, at the, at the senior bowl. I saw him up close. His pass protection looked fine. His run blocking was pretty solid. Then you look at his measurements of the combine 5.1540 time not bad for a guy who's sitting at 300 and almost 50 pounds 
and stands at 6'2". 37 reps on the bench press. Guess what? He's going to be able to extend his hands pretty well. He's got quick hands. He's able to keep a solid rhythm going with it. Then you got to look at what he does in the gym. He looks like he has tree trunks for arms. The biggest, I guess, I guess mark I could have against him are his hips are a little wonky at times to where he might get a little, he might look like he has a pinch in his side and give up a, a, a stop up the middle. But when you look at what he did for Aaron Jones' career, who had a breakout year before injuries got involved in Green Bay, I think that Hernandez is a good, solid option to go with if you are a team that needs a guard in the first round. I definitely think that having that kind of guy who also has played guard over a guy like Isaiah Wynn, who is projected to be a guard, but has very little experience at guard outside the senior bowl, makes more sense. That is what it really comes down to. When you think about that, I think that that's why many teams are saying that Hernandez might be a safer pick over a guy like Isaiah Wynn. And speaking of Isaiah Wynn, what makes him so special and why is he rising up draft boards? I think the biggest thing is let's look at the national championship game and just start from there. Everything about him was almost phenomenal and teams are saying they can play possibly a right tackle because of it. But then you gotta look at the measurements and that's what it really comes down to. 313 pounds. 6'3", didn't really move that well at the combine, but still has some pretty good size. And then you got to look at the rest of it. You know, he's kind of a stockier guy. He doesn't have that really that big frame that you really want. He doesn't really have the arm length, 33.38 arm length. Uh, so that kind of plays a role into it as well. But you got to look at what he can do really well. He's quick off the ball. He has good instincts. He, he's really quick aiming at his target. His arm length isn't bad. He's disciplined. And I guess the biggest thing is his handwork is pretty much really strong. That would make him... Uh, excellent blocker on the outside in the pinch playing right tackle, which is why you probably play him on the inside with big guys coming up into the NFL in the future. So, I think there's a lot to like about him. I think his versatility plays a role into it. I think also the fact that he played so well against an NFL powerhouse clone defense in Alabama this past year in the National Championship and was able to keep Jacob Fromm from getting sacked one time off his side. And then he does an excellent job in minimal snaps down in Mobile where all 32 teams were able to kind of get a close look at him. I think it makes sense. I, I definitely have him in my top 20 grade. I think he sits at pick number 17. But overall, I think that this is a guy who you consider being an excellent right guard, pulling guard in the class because of his quickness. But you play him more in a pinch than you do Nelson or Hernandez at that right tack spot. Indeed. And let's conclude our uh, assessment of these uh, first round interior offensive line talents with James Daniels, the center from Iowa. What makes him very special and can he play guard if asked? You know, I really haven't watched enough of James Daniels to where I can say that. I know he has a high football IQ. I know he played at Iowa and Iowa offensive linemen are really great. But everything that I've seen from James Daniels tape, he screams at center. He's good off the ball. He's quick. He's quick motion. Has a good hand block. I really want to see him in single pass protection sets. But overall, I'm not really sold on him yet as that first round talent. I have to watch a little more tape on him. He's actually a guy I'm planning on watching this upcoming weekend. So as of now, he doesn't sit in my top 50 yet. But I definitely think that he has that football IQ and coming from a school like Iowa where Kirk Francis has pretty much given the NFL a ton of talent from the Hawkeyes offensive line. That's a guy who I have to keep an eye out for. I definitely won't be shocked if he goes round one just because of how high of needs centers and offensive guards are. But if his football IQ speaks anything, I think you could play him in a pinch at guard while he learns to play center. Kind of like a Cody White here situation would be the best thing to look at it, but it'd be reverse where you'd probably have him play guard waiting to play center where White here ended up playing center even though he was projected to be a guard. He is Cole Thompson, ladies and gentlemen, of DraftWire.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Cole Thompson. And Cole, we thank you so much once again for joining the program. But before we go, 
We want to play our favorite game during draft season, and it's called Buy or Sell. I will uh, just read the name of a prospect that we haven't mentioned yet, and you tell whether you buy or sell his draft stock going forward these final four weeks. Starting with Martinez Rankin, buy or sell. Uh, I'd buy him as a as a prospect. He definitely has some ability to play multiple positions. A lot of people see him as an interior guy. I still think that if you need a right tackle for a project, he fits the bill. You know, he'd had a decent year, not last year, but 2016, he had a pretty decent year uh, for, for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So I'm buying him, but I'm not buying him as one of those top. What about Chakuma Okorafor? That's the guy from um, that's the guy from Western Michigan, correct? Correct. Yeah, what I'm hearing about him is that he is a guy who is a who's a pro, you know projected left tackle, but needs some time to get used to it. A team like the Houston Texans probably could use him this year if they're going to look at possibly rebuilding. See what they got uh, with Julian Davenport. See where he fits. See what the plan is uh, moving forward with Derek Newt. That makes a ton of sense as being a projected guy. Have the two of them battle it out. So I'm gonna buy that he is a guy who's gonna get more hype going towards the draft class for teams that ha- are in an ability to kind of fluctuate with their right tackle, left tackle position, and see where guys fit. Everything I've seen on him is pretty solid for a tackle position. I just don't know where you play him year one. I don't think that you can do, it's no longer a league where you can do right side, left side, and then switch them. You got to kind of play him at one and then figure out what they can go there. How about Will Richardson of North Carolina State, I believe, buy or sell? You know what? I'm going to have to sell on him because I have not seen any film on him yet. I'm at, he's actually another guy that I got to look forward to this upcoming weekend. Uh, from what I've heard from my friend Michael Peterson, he's a guy that is not going to be someone to look forward to, but I definitely think they could. You know, I got to watch the film myself. So that's a guy that I'm not going to really probably answer because it'd be wrong for me to say something I don't really know enough about. How about Jerron Christian of Louisville? Buy or sell? Uh, I'm selling on him. There's nothing I've really seen from his tape that screams out off tackle or guard uh, at a starting cap caliber year one so i don't think he's a guy who's gonna get drafted because of you know what the offensive guards you need to build but the biggest point is for me i'm not gonna take a guy if i don't think he's gonna be a guy who starts year one or at all you know he could be a guy that ends up just being on the practice squad by it's all set another guy we saw down in mobile was austin corbett of nevada buy or sell I'm buying on him. This is a guy who's played multiple positions and was a walk-on at Nevada and ended up becoming a pretty special guy for the Wolfpack team. While teams are projecting him to be a probably right guard in the NFL, that's a pretty good sign when you have that kind of production and that walk-on mentality. He's going to be a guy that's really special. Watch the Notre Dame tape and think Forrest Lamp. That's what you get with Austin Corbett. He finished on my board, I think, at 49, if I'm not mistaken. He's a guy I'm definitely looking forward to going moving forward into the draft. Likewise, just like uh, his fellow Nevada Reno Wolfpack, uh, Joel Batonio, uh, there's some similarities in their games, according to many. And Skylar Phillips of Idaho State, buy or sell. I'm buying on this guy. I really like this guy. He's a day three pickup, but this is a guy who I think you build long term. Think of a guy like maybe uh, Joe Thune out of uh, out of the New England Patriots. If you watch him play, he plays like he's a bouncer at a bar, kicking drunk kids out of the building. That's what his arms are like. That's how he shucks players out of the way. That's how he moves. That's how great he is with an upper body strength. The lower body is what's going to keep him from being a day two player. But overall, this guy's a project guy that you don't start year one, but he has a ton to give you in the long term future. Another guy we saw down a mobile was Colby Gossett of Appalachian State. Buy or sell? I'm buying him, but I'm cautious with him. He's not a 
a guy that I'm going to put in the top 50, top 60, but around three, early round four, day three grade isn't bad. He's a guy that maybe you can play by the end of year one. Everything that I saw from him, he's got a decent pass protection. He's not terrible in run, but he's pretty average overall would be the best thing for me right now. I definitely think that there's something there and it's something to look forward to, but at the same time, I'm not going to be sold on him, but I'm still buying him as being one of the better offensive guards in this class. And last but not least, Bradley Bozeman of Alabama, buy or sell? Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to buy on him because I am an Alabama alumni. Look, who come from an Alabama offensive line, there's a lot of worry about that because of the durability that has been brought on them in recent past. You look at some of the numbers that you've seen and how guys like DJ Fluke or Chance Formack haven't panned out. But Bozeman's a guy who, if healthy, has a nice football IQ and has solid work uh, with his foot gain to where I think he could be at least a decent backup in the NFL. So I would at least take a nice swing on him day three. Maybe not round four, but at least round five. And there is something to at least merit as possible starting potential. Remember, centers are guys that aren't drafted for their picks and they're not guys who you think are really pretty and sexy you know, guys, but you think that they are quality guys. And you want to know what? The best thing that I ever got advice from from any single NFL draft scout is you always build up your offensive line. It's never enough to have too many offensive and defensive line players. When you have enough in the trenches, you're going to be fine. And even if Bozeman is just a trench guy, I think you got to take a risk on him. You most certainly do. Just look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did. They won the Super Bowl in large part with a backup quarterback because they dominated both sides of the line of scrimmage. And all the rest of the NFL team should take note because there's a lot of good talent to be had on both sides of the ball, especially in the trenches this year. Cole Thompson, we thank you so much once again. Catch his work at DraftWire.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. Cole Thompson. You don't want to miss his coverage the rest of these uh, remaining weeks leading up to the draft, so please don't miss it. Cole, thank you very much for joining us. We hope to have you back on in the very near future. Hey, thanks for having me on again, Dave. Bye, guys. Take care, Cole. We appreciate you. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Stay with us this next month as we churn out more and more content to get you ready for the draft. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive, including our 100th episode special with longtime NFL scout Greg Gabriel, as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Cole, especially since there's never an off-season for talking football. For Cole Thompson, our producer Chris Broadhead, I'm David Cromwell saying so long, and of course, stay awesome. Stay awesome.